This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Like we always do about this time. Oh, this is Tishy in the tape. Respect Fresh for 88, you suckers. I was a fiend before I became a team. Loyal fans and newfound followers. What's up, y'all? Hello, how are you doing out there? You chilling? I'm with you. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Too black, too strong. Too black, too strong. So you're a philosopher? Yes. 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 Right about now, you're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Raw Face and DJ Easy Rock. We had a whole lot of superstars on this stage here tonight. But I want y'all to know one thing this is my house. And when I say whose house, y'all know what time it is. I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. In 88, when King Rule was half stepping. Time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying? And there ain't no half stepping. Word. I'm ready. Recording live from somewhere. It is the Tissue and the Tape podcast starring Phil Matic. What up? What up, baby? How you doing? I'm good, man. And of course, it is me, Vod, aka Davis Backwards. Um, again, we are excited to be back. Uh, recording live, we had some uh, some guests that we that we needed to to, to let uh, get get some stuff off their chest. Shout out to uh, RJ Payne and the whole um, educated I- ignorance <laughs> <laughs> music group. Um, of course, shout out to uh, King Champs, uh, King Champs. Of course, uh, he he's got his uh, his his project on the way. And um, man, I mean, we we we, we definitely uh, have, have a couple more in the vault that we're gonna release soon. Oh yeah, man, we got some gems that we that we sitting on. Uh, but we we had to uh, a uh, vi. It's 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 eighty eight. It's time, time to set, to set it. it straight. Yeah, you know? I mean, nah, I'm right. stepping. Because <laughs> uh, so we 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 had to we we recorded uh several episodes that we'll we'll we will be bringing to you. You know, shout out to uh, Planet Asia. Shout out to uh, Kicks Laundry. Uh, we we'll definitely will be bringing you those episodes. But yeah. uh, episode 188 of the Tissue and Tape podcast. Totally right. Totally right. Uh, 30th anniversary for so many classic albums. So much classic material. Uh, Golden Era at its finest. So uh, episode 188, we had to bring you uh, Fresh for 88. Suckers. Um, but before we get into that, it is the world's famous TITT. It's home team in the motherfucking house. No question. That's right. Uh, once again, it's Davis backwards and who states your name, Gangsta. Philmatic365, aka Philly DMC. That was my name in 88. <laughs> 
pretty good. Um, I still don't know what the D stand for, but it just felt right in '88. Yeah. I mean, you know, MC Ricky D. You know, it's it's a nice no, nice lineage of. I, I, actually, no, I take that back. I know exactly where it came from. Okay. Uh, shout out, um, shout out to my uncle Rob. Uh, he used to call me Philly Dog, and uh, uh, so that's that's where the that's where. Nice. The, uh, okay. Yeah. Philly D Williams. <laughs> Philly D Williams. Oh, that would have been ill. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I would. I, I was I wasn't uh I was I wasn't that advanced with my uh with my with my uh, AKA 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 game has has progressed since '88. So yeah, for you. Um, as always, recording uh, courtesy of ourselves, but also uh, War Room Sports Podcast Network. That's the set that we wrap. Uh, big shout to gang, gang. The, flag, <laughs> the flagship show. Uh, the War Room uh, is available for your consumption live uh, from six to eight Eastern Standard Time. Best sports show in the world, man. I got I got to start uh, showing my voice. Yes, sir. <laughs> on there. I haven't I haven't been on there. I got to start on there. I, I got some Markel folks uh, slandering. Oh, I know you do, man. To, to let loose, but yeah. uh, shout shout to our brothers uh, Devin. Jimmy, D. Austin, uh, Big Brothers in this. And, of course, the, the Burtons, John Appetit. You can catch that on the War Room Sports Podcast Network as well. Yeah, man. They was on their award tour. Uh, they last episode, man, they was talking about uh, Polyvoo Francais. I mean, they was, they, was, they was in Spain. They was in France. Yeah. I mean. Got to get it in. Yeah, eating, eating, uh, fucking, uh, what you call them joints? Croissants uh, by the Eiffel Tower. I was like, <laughs> I was like eating it, eaters in Paris. <laughs> hey man, eaters in Paris. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if you like carbs, that's probably the best place to go. Yeah, you know, they, they got all the bread you need right there. Yo, I I need to I need to get there. Me and the champ. That's one place we always we we had the opportunity to go, and we and we was like, no, nah, we was like we want to go some. We wanted to go to an island. So we, we switched it, like, you know, before we had to make the final decision and we ended up going to uh, Antigua. Yeah. But, yeah, that's somewhere that we definitely will be uh, heading. Uh, just yeah. just just to put it, it's on the bucket list. Got to. Got to. Yeah, man. Um, in, the, in the meantime, though, we, we definitely want to give a shout-out to Tally and Twine. Absolutely. Official timepiece of the Tissue and the Tape podcast. Of course... Uh, you can you can rock out with them. Check out what they got, tallyandtwine.com. Absolutely. Uh, got some great things coming up with them. Absolutely. Stay tuned with that. Uh, 10% off of your purchase. Put in T-I-T-T in the box. Promo code. You know you know what time it is. Like we've been saying before, it's that, it's that time of year. You got graduations. You got Father's Day. You got just because, man. You know, just because. The best 10% since MC Life. Yeah. See, right. I, yeah, I see. 88. 88, no diss. But yeah, uh, now that we got that all the way, uh, shout to all of all of our affiliates, everybody that lets us, everybody that uh, lets us know that we, you know, we should keep doing what we're doing because we do what we love, fanatic. Yes, man. That's all we can do, man. Is do what we love, man, and do it to death. Like you said, we we got a lot of day zero supporters that been that been rocking with us. Uh, since before we even had the this, this platform, and you know they're still rocking with us now. So shout out to the homie Jazz, man. Yeah. Uh, 
And then uh, uh we got a got a lot of new supporters though, man. Got a lot of got a lot of new supporters, uh, especially in Europe. Uh, speaking of which, I mean, I'm definitely hopefully the the when I when I do end up in France because uh, we doing we doing uh, a live show. But uh, shout out to uh, Nice, France. I, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, got a lot of got a lot of listeners out there. Um, of course, uh, Adelaide, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Amsterdam coming through strong um, in the last couple episodes, and um, yeah, man, uh, wait, real hip hop lives uh, in Europe. It's true what they say. That's what they say, uh, right? Shout out to uh, I still love a dyke. De, uh, yeah, yeah, man. So eighty-eight, we'll get right to it. So ain't rule with half stepping. It's a year that a lot of us that are our age we, we started to take responsibility and started to really take like autonomy over what we were listening to because before hip-hop would be played late at night it'd be played on the weekends and then during the rest of the week or just you know the radio at least what we were privy to you know we, we had a lot of Freddie Jackson, <laughs> Luther Vandross, Alexander, you know, like, you know, just like, just like good music, but it, it didn't necessarily speak to the youth as much as hip hop did. Exactly. Does. It wasn't made for us. Not, not yet. And, and as we saw, you know, 85, 86, 87 roll around when record labels were scrambling to find hip hop acts, even ones that, that were never even known for, for black music you know really that didn't have a huge staple of, of black artists they were scrambling to find or weren't even rappers at all they just right. they just looked like they could potentially be rappers exactly so they, they were looking to just get hip-hop acts and then 87 happened you know they started to see the the tours the the, the fresh messes and all, all the and money the lights in. yeah and then 88 Yo, for for uh, most people that I that I've talked to over the years, this is probably the most not not only the most important year of hip hop, but for most people that really follow this culture, the best year they consider it the best, the highest amount of quality in in a single calendar year. Um. And it's hard to argue it. I mean, it's hard to argue against it. I should say. Uh, like, like if you if you look at it, like there were approximately fifty five to sixty studio LPs that came out. Yeah, and and I would say close, <laughs> close to. I mean, I would say probably eighty to eighty five percent of them were very good mm-hmm. and above. Mm-hmm. And then I would venture to say probably half of those, you know, were excellent. And, you know, a large percentage were classic. <laughs> I mean, or or even if they weren't classic albums, they produced classic singles. You're talking about It Takes Two. You're talking about Top Billing, which weren't classic albums, you know, weren't a part of classic albums, but are classic singles, un- undoubtedly. You know, and you can still put those on the day and they still resonate and still draw a reaction, even from uh, younger listeners. So, mm-hmm. 
I mean, yo, but but before we do that, I just gotta I just gotta talk about the fact that we're we're the same age. I'm a few months older than you, but we were nine. We were eight and nine years old in 1988. We were, and you know, at, at the early part of it for me, I'm I'm eight. I turned nine in April. You're eight. You know, you turn nine November. It's <laughs> Yo, to, to think, I, I think about, you know, we both have children. I have an eight-year-old daughter right now. Yeah. To think about her listening to the music that I was listening to, it, it, it's crazy when I think about it. But, I mean, to be actively listening, not listening to it because somebody put it on, but right. actually seeking it out, right. grabbing a CD, or in, yeah. in, in her equivalent, you know, going to... You know, title or Apple Music, and right. you know, pulling up. Uh, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back, or straight out of Compton, or or the Great Adventures of Slick Rick. Oh God! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the moment I feel. It was the moment I feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the fuck? No, but it's just it's just just to show you, like we were just we were just it was just a different time. Yeah. You know, hip hop was so new. It was such a youth movement. Even the youngest of the youth were, you know, were engulfed in it. And that was us. You know, I mean, we've talked that nauseum at times about how we were born into this culture and how much, you know, we, you know, we were like almost like prodigies of the culture. So when '88 rolls around, you know, we're we're kind of veterans in, in this, even at that young of an age. Right. So. And, and you know, I had I had my uncles, I had I had my step pop, and they were heavily into the music. So my cousins that were older, all of that, all of them just you know, I heard what they heard, and then I and then I just gravitated to it and became that sponge. So man, you know what what was your what was your first experience with so, with this music as far as like 1988? So I had a different experience from yours. I think we, we talked about this before, like you said, ad nauseum, but to kind of just go into it differently, like for every uncle, big cousin, you know, aunt, whoever, you know, old head that you had to put you on, I had less. So it was really my my mom and my grandmother and me. And, you know, hip hop's probably the, the least desirable thing they probably would, that you would want to put on you know your young impressionable child but it was the music where i was kind of coming out of the whole michael jackson bobby brown gotcha. new edition era where that was safe music that they didn't mind me listening to i didn't have any issues with that to where i really found my niche 86 87 and then 88 was like that that christmas of 87 was when i started to ask for for tapes for christmas gotcha so going into 88, where I had gotten a few tapes already, you know, and they didn't even know what they were buying me, I, I was hooked on consuming it, you know, having my own collection, stacking the tapes up and, you know, just create, like it's, it went from me playing with toys to me playing with cassette tapes and me looking at liner notes and trying to figure out, you know, sequencing, you know, just all that stuff that, that you no probably- doubt. That you probably you know that you obviously that you know but you that you wouldn't necessarily equate to a, a eight year old thinking about at that time and there was no better time than that because of the fact that like we said like there was so much um, 
fuel behind it. Um, we, we we saw the effects of of, of the the you know, uh, mountain mountain climbers with the electric guitars starting to see <laughs> how much the the you know the the culture could potentially make. Yeah, and, the, the the money started to to come in around this time, yeah. and we'll we'll get into that. You know, uh, rap videos being on MTV and, and things of that nature. And you, you even saw it like we we always we talk about rap and sports and, and how they, they 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 always intermingle. But you also saw it with Bo Jackson. You know, you saw it with Deion Sanders. You know, to to an extent. You know, go from Florida State to. The Falcons. You saw it with, with Bo, you know, playing two sports and being such a bad dude. With um, we started to play video games, and you know, when you playing Tech Tech Mobile, you're Yo, not you're not trying the to most sit stop, There's not a video game, you know, fuck Mario, Sonic, <laughs> Link. I don't, I don't care who you who you got. Yeah, you know, Tony Vercetti from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Nobody, Techno Bo. <laughs> yeah, Techno Bo. Yo, they, 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 you can't stop them, unstoppable. Yo. So, so, so we're spending more time like doing things like we went from kind of putting the, the He Man and you know Transformers down, and we're, we're playing video games now. And what better? Oh, so, so that'll go fast. I'm you, you know what I mean. No, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna give you the the craziest optic. <laughs> I got, I got GI Joe's. Yeah. Headphones on. Yeah. My TV's on. Wrestling is on. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with toys, listening to "It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back." Yeah. Like the, just the just the I'm 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 literally I see myself. There's there's a picture of me that my mom took. You know of me playing with headphones on. I'm listening to "It Takes a Nation of Millions," playing with yeah. Cobra Commander and Duke with the Terradome. And like just the level of what I was listening to versus what I was actually doing right. is yeah. those juxtapositions. So it's like it's like when you see like TV, when mm. you see like like almost like a Family Guy, where mm. where Brian the dog or Stewie they're mm. having like these grown up conversations, and then they do something that's kid like or dog like, and right. then, you know it just puts you like that's how I was. I was like. So like advanced in what I was listening to, but still a kid at the end of the day doing kid shit. Right. So it was, it was just that that crazy juxtaposition. Yo, I was still playing. I was a playing ass little. You know yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, I still was too. But like you know, as we started to get into like that's when you looked and then you know Nintendo, Sega. Yeah, all oh, no that. Doubt. And then you, you're like, man, the soundtrack that I'm not just trying to just listen to. Like like no, I I gotta. I got a boombox. Bass. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> that that was kind of the soundtrack for that. And then like 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 I was saying, just I, it was a it was a surrogate father to me. Like it, it was really you know just not not necessarily getting jewels because I didn't think that I didn't understand what that was at that time. But it was just people that I thought that were cool that were just saying some 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 fly stuff that I just could you know I just always liked and I was like man like. So I it just I just gravitated to it, and and '88 was was the perfect time for it because, like I said, just with um, the the introduction of all these 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 crazy personalities in um, sports, Dominique, Bo, Dion, it it, oh. it 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 just it just all just came together with with hip hop too, where 
you know, you really saw Kane and you know, uh, Flavor Flav, just all these, these, and don't forget money, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> and money, you know, definitely money. Um, he was huge in, in, in making, you know, making everything. Uh, kind of pop like that and, and putting the, the the emphasis on our us having our own thing absolutely you know? so that that's 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 what hip-hop always was it was you know like we we had our own way of doing things it was it was a religion it was a a, a passion it was a way of life a culture that you, you can't front like now now you can kind of fake the funk a little bit and you know you can say oh you know you can you can look things up a lot easier you can you can become well versed but no 88 man you had to live it man yeah and and it wasn't that easy like it's like like i i even find myself sometimes taking for granted how easy it is to to access music Mm -hmm. but it was you really had to want it because it didn't come on the radio i mean it was it was starting to come on the radio more but it was real relegated to late nights and you know you had to you know you had to ask your mom if you could stay up and then you had to try to fight to stay up and make sure you set your tape you know and, and if you fell asleep hope somebody else recorded it um then you had to buy it you had to go buy it this is this is the year i got my first actual cd in 1988 i got which i still have jazzy jeff and the fresh prince he's the dj i'm the rapper bought it with my own money I, I actually that was the first CD that I bought. You know, I had I was able to get records and tapes a little bit before that in 86 and 87, but my actual first CD. So you had to but you had to actively you know get to the store and and again, I'm still an 8-year-old kid at this point. You know, you had to get to the store then you had to you had to put money out. You know, so and you know ten dollars you know and i think the cd might have even been like at yeah. this time like i think it was like 18 bucks 18 bucks for sure Plus and um <laughs> yeah because it was it was well no no tax in philly yeah. but boom boom oh, but no. uh we had tax <laughs> but, um, no, uh, it was it was crazy though <laughs> And they came in these long ass boxes because the shelves wasn't even made for CDs. They were made, still made for records. So you had to, yeah, they, they had these long boxes to fit on the CD rack, the, to fit on the record racks. <laughs> um, you know, so you had the little CD in this long ass box. But um, it was crazy. So that was just that was just what it was. You had to really actively want it and be an active participant in this culture. Now it's kind of passive if you get to it you get to it and then you pick and choose what you want to hear it like you you were so thirsty for hip-hop music at the time that you know you would literally digest these this music you know and over and over again and so you know it was just and then also in 88 this is where like you really started like you said starting to see like the growth the nationalization even more so of hip-hop but i mean let, let's get into it man let's um we we put together some of the lists of some of the uh some of our favorites from the from that year um what you want to start with uh let's start with actual mc i mean and oh let's get right to the let's get right to the MC, to the christ right? you know all right so uh so being that it was 88 we 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 decided to pick our top eight MCs from 1988. 
and uh, we each we each compiled our list, and um, so we'll we'll make that available on the um on the social media platforms and everything. But uh, Vi, all right, you you set it off. Uh, give me your, let me get let me get your uh your top eight MCs for 1988. Definitely. Uh, starting out with a young lady from Brooklyn. Uh, still catches my eye to this day. Anytime I hear her voice, I stop what I'm doing. L-Y-T-E. Yeah, I, you know, I pause at least for a moment just to hear what she has to say. Um, just phenomenal. One of the greatest uh, voices, man. Easily. Um, just, just respectable and just someone that I just always just looked up to. Uh, MC Light. Uh, Fresh yeah, Prince. That jacket. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, so I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get back. Yeah, paper yeah. things back yeah, yeah, I wanted one of them so bad, but <laughs> all right. So, so, so now, are you going in reverse order? So you, yeah, go yeah. In... I'm, just, I'm just going. I'm just going from from basically eight to one. Okay. All so, right. So we got MC Light at eight. And light. Then... I got I got the Fresh Prince at seven. Uh, never never saw anybody uh, that that charismatic. Um, you know, in in at, at that t- at the particular time, um, wasn't trying to be tough. Was just being was himself. Just yeah, man. Just was himself and. It was just infectious and it was it was easy to listen to because i could i could play it very loud and not worry about like curse words and stuff like that so like you were saying that was your first cd that was one of the first um ones that i had as well uh still was rocking tapes back then but it was just very easy to to play and not get in trouble for the lyrics and stuff um chuck d you know i mean come on I mean, what, what 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 do you say about what do you say about him? Too strong. Yeah, it Google just, Chuck, man, like yeah, just all, always was was uh you know standing on his own too, uh, never compromised himself, and it it was a great like you say juxtaposition for flavor just to just see those two, this very serious guy, and then you know this guy that was somewhat of a, a jokester, but they they combined to make you know just powerful music. Um, KRS, uh, you know, I, I have my I have my things that I say about him, but but yeah. overall, '88 was a year that I couldn't front with KRS. No, nah, I, I, I spent a lot of time listening to him. Uh, the the house that I was staying in while uh, my dad was at work, uh, the, the, that that's all they played all day, all day, like all like all day. So it's I, like a piggy bank, and this is one penny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so I, I just just by just by default, I ended up knowing you know all of all of the words to a, a lot a lot of the, the records that I now look at. Be like, wow, I was listening to that back then. That was deep. Um, Eric Sermon, uh, a guy that I ended up really having a lot of respect for as I got older. Uh, once I learned that he was you know making a lot of these beats and he was the the the, the maestro so to speak behind the whole emp uh, epmd sound and everything that was going on so uh shop the e double mc ricky d you know uh hard hard not mm. to like man you know especially <laughs> no. for a little kid looking up to him with the with the shine uh with the you know with the with the with the smile and you know just the way that he uh, was 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 styled, uh, you know, most stylish dude back then. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yo, still, <laughs> yo, like just, just the like you talk about confidence, like, mm-hmm. like nobody, nobody had a level of, like I don't even think like the Kanye West that we know and love 
mm-hmm. loved. Right. Uh, some of that is contrived. Like is some it, some of that also is just I'm I'm so scared or I'm so depressed that I'm gonna I'm gonna project this on you, but I'm really yeah. actually not that confident. I'm actually like I don't think people ever fully know like how confident he called people crumbs. Like crumbs. That's that's just yo It, it, yo, like, like if this was if this was 2018, like with the like with the kind of technology, like the the standum that mm-hmm. we have now, his fans would would be called crumbs, yo. Crumb. They would, and they would embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how that's how that's how shit worked, yo. But yo, yeah. but but go ahead. All right, so MC Ricky D. Yeah, so last two, um, you know, kind of in a tie. I don't want to separate them. Obviously, when we do the tip for tat, it's Kane all day, but definitely Rock him and Big Daddy Kane. Uh, round out that that eight just because of their impact and then also just because um you know they were they were the standards it, it was it was something like you know to to be smooth back then was was something that was a, a goal you know even even no doubt. you know in my younger age you know to 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 be able to to talk to you know the ladies a certain type of way or to be able to 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 be able to present myself in a certain type of way these guys gave gave off that blueprint like that and that's what i always loved about both of them really um there wasn't you know they you know they they, they weren't always um now i don't, don't want to say they were like uh threatening but they definitely were like yo they were about their business like kane was about being a dope mc getting getting the ladies on his side and having a good time, and then Rockin was just like, "Yo, I'm I'm not a joke, not to be played with." Yo, when it comes he, to this mic, it's a wrap. Yeah, like he he was like he was like an assassin almost. Like, yeah. he he approached it with like assassin like mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like it 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 was definitely not a game. It was like, yo, you know. Yeah. So so yes, yeah, so when I, when I think of '88, I, I did that more so just from the standpoint of who I, I really looked up to and how I felt at that time. Of course, when we get to your list, I can kind of interject on that a little bit. But I definitely have to send a big shout out, a huge shout out to someone that um, played a big part in my my childhood as well, especially '88. Um, Heavy D. Oh, no doubt. Uh, he he was someone that when, when I look back on my childhood, a lot of his records, especially Heavy D and the Boys, that was a soundtrack to my life too. So yeah. uh, definitely, overlay overweight lover was definitely in the house, man. Yeah. Um, rest in peace to him, and then also just uh, giving a salute to the, the contribution that he gave to the uh, to the game. Yeah, no doubt. And um, yo, for my list, uh, similar. Um, I, I think got a couple different, but um, yeah. um, uh, my 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 uh number eight was Fresh Prince. As, as I said, it was the first CD that I bought with, with my own money. Um, just charismatic, uh, great storyteller. Like you could, you could, you could hear the the uh, the genuine. You know, like he was he was truly himself, and I and, and and as a kid, I could relate to him more than any of the other people that I was listening to. He was the closest thing to who I was at that time. You know, even though he was, you know, much older than me, you know, we were, I wasn't relating to, you know, Kane or Rakim, you know, on that level. I, but 
his stories like I was like oh like you know having a nightmare about you know <laughs> you know Freddy Cougar I I could relate <laughs> you know being an eight year old kid you know even when he was and, talking about girls it was in a, yeah. in a that we could relate to like, yeah yeah or or parents just don't understand I could relate to that or or pumping up the bass in my uh in my stereo or you know like I could relate to that or you know. Me and my buddy. I mean, like he made songs that that I could relate to. So it was. It, I don't think he intended to make songs for children, because. But in effect, he made songs for children of hip hop, which we were. So definitely big shout out to Fresh Prince. Um, and that, was, of course, that was my first performance in, in the living room that was non Michael Jackson related. They used to have me come out from my room and, and, and perform. Oh yeah, every black family had a kid. Um, <laughs> so it went, it went from laboring because because what bad came out in '87. So I used to have to come out there and, and perform bad, and then um, that 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 summer of '88 uh, just changed. So so then they made me do Fresh Prince from like '88 and '89. So. Yo, yo, white families teach their kids how to do taxes. Right. Black families got their kids out here performing. Yo, yo man. I, I mean, I, I used to be taking intermission and coming back, yo, you know, get, doing the second set. I did, second I did, set. I did James Brown super bad at my, at my, <laughs> at a wedding. Like, oh man, at a wedding. Yeah, like, get out there and do the James Brown. Oh, no. Like, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess so. Get out there and do the James Brown. Ooh, too jet. Get out there and do it. Yeah. Get your ass. <laughs> Yo, right. man, it was wild, but <laughs> um, Fresh Prince. I thought and... you. I thought you meant like you were like the entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be like, oh man, they really had you out there. Like, Yo, we ain't hiring no man. We got we got no fellas. <laughs> Get your ass out there and entertain these guests. <laughs> Put that chicken down, boy. <laughs> You can eat after your dance. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, uh, all right. So I had I had first person eight number seven. Even though he only had two songs actually released in 1988, yeah, one guest appearance, Coogee <laughs> Rap. They, yeah. For me, uh, the symphony, and we'll get into when we do songs. The symphony is hugely important to to my childhood. And from the from the video to you know just the, the just the whole posse cut aspect of it, like doing a song with your friends, yeah, like was like was like without them actually being a group was like a whole new concept at the time for me. And um, yo, uh, Road to Riches. Mm. When I was five years old, I realized there was a road at the end. I would win lots of pots of gold. And I was like, you know, yo, I want to be on the road to riches. Yeah. Like, like that sound, that sound like the road I want to be on. I mean, and then Poison, like, like two of the hardest records. I mean, for that era, it, they would just like, and you could see like, all right, this is different. This is, this is a little, this is like. You know the movies I probably shouldn't be watching either, but on on you know they're making it into music, and we'll get into you know as we go up the list, you'll see where that really went. All right, at number six, uh, Chuck D. Chuck is my is the voice I hear in my conscience. Like when I when I'm a grown man and I'm and I'm speaking with I feel as eloquently, mm. Chuck D is the voice in my mind. Like still to this day, 
he's so important to the man that I've become, to the responsible human being that I've become, or like to think that I am almost, you know, like 63% of the time. That's that's so much to do with Ch who Chuck was and who Chuck is. So definitely salute to him. And in 88, uh, Takes a Nation of Millions was just so important to me. You can actually read liner notes. That was, those were the first liner notes. I actually helped me learn how to read. You know, like reading, you know, the words and trying to digest, not understanding fully everything he was saying until much later, but just knowing it was important and it was, he was speaking on behalf of us. I mean, so then <clears throat> Slick Rick, man, MC Ricky D, man, just, he just, he just took you on a fantasy ride. He took you like to all these different places and his imagination he helped me create, you know, and expand my imagination with how he did his music. And, you know, he helped um, foster my fascination with the English accent, which I think is like the greatest, you know, especially on a, 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 a nice, finely toned uh, black woman with an English accent is like the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Ricky D. Um, and then he was just the coolest dude. Like he was just like the confidence that we spoke about. Yo, one one thing about that, um, you know how the the, the letter J, whether it be Jay Z, Jada Kiss, uh, you know, all, like the mm -hmm. J Cole, J Mills, like J, J Quan, right? Yeah. Like J is is a letter that that became popularized, and of course was was a hot thing to say. Well. When you look back at 88 and you look back to that era, like the letter D was was yeah. used too. Milk Ricky, D. Ricky D and yeah, milk 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 D. DMC. D. Right. <laughs> right. DMC yeah. Schoolie D. Like D was the was kind of that 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 letter too, that that heavy D like you was talking yeah. about. So it, it was it was cool to kind of just put the two together. Like there were so many there's so many J's now. But yeah. it's, back, it's like, like the littles and bigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. And like you said, you were Philly D. You almost had yeah. about like, why was I even D? But it was because that yeah. that, that letter really like meant something back then. You yeah, know? Like, like, and, and, like that's that's crazy. That like like yeah, but that was the, that's that's what it was, man. You had to be something D. Yeah, like, you know, and it was like a, like a two syllable and then D, like Ricky yeah. D. You know, like, like he's he was like our, a stamp, you know. He was, before he was Chuck D, he was Chucky D. And he talked yeah. about that, and then he just he's like, <coughs> excuse me, like Chuck D. You know, I couldn't. It was hard to. It would have been hard to take those so seriously if he was Chucky D. Like right, Chucky, Chucky. Yeah, you know, Chuck, yeah. You know, so so it's Chuck D and Slick Rick, and then and then I had who who was my next one? Uh, Rock Hill. Mm -hmm. we, we talked about him, uh, microphone fiend. I felt like microphone fiend was me. Like, like that's, but like just the power of his voice coming off of paid and full, and then following it up with following leader. You know, he was. If if he, if he wasn't the best MC in the world, he was. You know, he was like right there. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh number three though, probably. The I, I would say I, Ice Cube is, is the number three, but Ice Cube is he's number three for not only because of the words that he said, but for the words he wrote. 
um it, as i would i was a huge fan of easy e um easy does it came out this time nwa came out in in 88 as well finding out you know again this is how i i was hip-hop obsessed so i'm reading liner notes i kept seeing o'shea jackson o'shea jackson mm. you know so then i find out you know from my uncle that that's ice cube's name after we had great laughs at ice cube's expense of his name being o'shea <laughs> um I was like, yo, he's really writing all the words. It was it was basically him and DOC and MC Ren writing everything. You know, but so Ice Cube, I put him at three because of his bars on Straight Out of Compton, but also for the things that he wrote for Easy E. He wrote, you know, Boys in the Hood. He wrote Easy Does It. He wrote all of these great, you know, classic, you know, monumental records in 1988. And then, and then my final two, uh, KRS, uh, you know, by, by all means, uh, philosophy, you know, my philosophy, that whole Jimmy, you know, just, you know, KRS was already my favorite guy coming into 88, just because Criminal Minded, I absolutely loved that, that record. Um, and, but number one, you know, and, and, you know, you can, for those that can see this, um, my shirt says it all. I mean, it, it in '88 when Kane ruled with half stepping. Uh, Big Daddy Kane was not only the coolest dude in 1988. He was a showman. He was the LSMC. It was just, you know, it was ridiculous. Um, the amount of talent that was in this dude. Um, from closing out the symphony to his debut album long Little Kane. uh he was just to writing for biz which uh he also biz also dropped the album in 88 and kane wrote a lot of the major hits on there so his pin game was mean and he was for my money the best mc in the world in 1988 you know so it was Yo, dude, dude's still incredible. I saw him, you know, you know, a few months ago, him and Rock Kim, ironically. And he's still ill. Like he's still like he delivers that those bars as if it was 1988 with the same charisma, with the same flair. You know, he may not be dancing as hard, but you you get you get that same feeling, or I get that same feeling. That I got in '88 when I first heard it is just incredible, man. And you're talking about, you know, 30 years. Wow. So, so that that I mean, 30 years, right? Yeah. And he's still, you know, shutting down venues and definitely shutting down performances. Anybody that saw that NPR Tiny Desk concert that he did, no. I mean. It's, it's worth it's worth your while definitely check that's it out what, and that's what I'm talking about like like the showmanship like you know live performance and just just showmanship in general is is such a, a underrated part of being a like great I, I felt like I was watching like a Sinatra or somebody you because know? you, you were yeah. yeah I mean you were watching our Sinatra I right, mean, right right like, like he's he's that's what you call a master at work yeah. like it's uh 
it's uh it was incredible man so the, yeah that was my eight man um we we had pretty much the the same list you know you know sans a couple but yeah yeah man the mcs and 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 um definitely uh i want to give a shout out to uh kit and play too just because not not necessarily because they were the, the best mcs but they were extremely like their their brand of hip-hop was amazing to me in 1988 i mean it was it got the party going i wasn't i've never been the, the biggest dancer but that guy got you moving yo mm-hmm. um so it was it was their their music and you know i always wanted the, the highest of high top fades yes. you know so kid was just like a role model that i thought you know it was just amazing so so uh, I, before we actually just get into some more lists, I wanted to definitely give a shout out to Chuck D once again. Uh, when we talk about uh, the branding of hip hop, we talk about elevating uh, the, the MC and elevating the, the art form. That's something that he was extremely instrumental Absolutely. in, especially in 88. But um, when we, we look at some of the popularized things now, as far as the graphic tees, and, uh, some of the things that uh, are now coming back out, uh, the, some of the streetwear brands are, are selling, you know, uh, on the on the resellers market, it's like five hundred dollars for you know a t-shirt that, you know, that that we either had back in the day or it was either an album cover that you know kids never saw before, and um, it it all started with the importance of logos. Absolutely. And logos were, were, you know, something that that set you apart. Definitely, uh, with with we, we saw that with the uh, with the label logos from Def Jam to Wild Pitch, you know, some Delicious of the ones, vinyl Tommy those, Boy, right? Some of the ones that just stuck out so much. But I wanted to give a special shout out to Chuck D and definitely Run DMC for having two of the greatest logos of all time. Iconic, definitely. Uh, just some some quick facts about those. Run DMC, you know, it was it was widely known that uh, theirs came from a, a graffiti artist by the name of Said Adams. You know, he he, he had gained a lot of notoriety for maybe being responsible for it. And then uh, when they cleared up the story years later, when they talk about the story of Run DMC, it's actually two ladies that that ended up uh, being pretty much responsible for that. You know, anytime we could do that as far as giving props, whether it be the right, tissue cares. Latino. If don't nobody else care. That's right. Black, white, Latino, doesn't matter. Uh, the, the ladies have, have obviously had a, a, a huge impact on the culture. Brown, and yellow, Puerto Rican, and Haitian. Shock Fife. Um, Ashley Newton, who back then she was the head of A&R at Island Records, she commissioned a young lady by the name of Stephanie Nash. And they, they collaborated essentially to Nash. She did the, the, the making of it and you know, Newton was, was the one that made sure that that's that's what happened as far as Run DMC getting out there. And if you look, man, I mean, from 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 most death to if you even just look at uh, Run NYC, Run LA, yeah. Run yeah, Run you know, DC with Barack right. Obama, you know, right. exactly. You know. So yeah, so uh, you know, for, for my for my money. Uh, that that's probably one A or one B to Public Enemies, one A or one B, depending yeah. on how you call it. 
And as we were talking about earlier, Chuck D was a, he graduated with an art degree. So he, he was an artist, you know, outside of the mic. And he actually came up with the Public Enemy logo before there was even a group. Yeah, a, a B-boy in, in crosshairs. Uh, how prophetic, I want to yeah. make sure I say that right um, so it doesn't sound like pathetic, prophetic. Yeah. Uh, with everything that we got going on in the world, you know, with you know, cops and you know, you know, shooting unarmed black men, you know, these insane school shootings, seeing a a, a kid in crosshairs, yeah, um, and the name of your group being the Public Enemy, uh, he he understood at an early age what it was right you know and how and how we were viewed it came through in the music obviously everything he said he he was he wasn't rhyming for the sake of riddling Mm -hmm. he he really meant that uh but yeah i I definitely want to give uh those two particular groups a a shout out 88 was kind of like a um uh, a touring year for run dmc Coming off a of tough, tougher than leather uh, movie, uh, broke records. Yeah, um, the the, al- the album put them in a different lane. Movie, movie was trash too, but movie was horrible. Still- Man, I, yo, I, I went to see that on a Sunday night with my mom, and I remember, uh, you know, I, I was into it, but she was like, "Yo, the, the yo," the- <laughs> she was like, "You oh." <laughs> She's like, you owe, you owe, I don't know how much movies were back there. She was like, yo, you owe me. <laughs> you gonna pay me back for that, yo. I never forget that. She's like, yeah, you gonna pay me back for that. Yo, like, that, movie, that movie's terrible. <laughs> I, 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 I think I've watched it since, man. I didn't see it in the movies. It's, it's been uh, on, it's been on like TNT or something like back in like the nineties. But like, yo, woo. yo, I just remember the the Adidas being bulletproof and just, <laughs> just like, yo, I was like, yo, yo that just is a stinker, man. Yeah. Shout to Run. But. Thank, thank God they made Run's house because uh, <laughs> '88 might have been a bad year. Cause yeah, yo. I mean, but although the movie, you know, for what it cost, I, from what I remember, I believe it did good. Yeah, but yeah, I, I need to check that. I need to. I need to see for sure. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, sure they turned the profit, but yeah, I, they got. I hope so. <laughs> if they if they did though, yo, uh, she she held me there too because we used to go to the movies on the weekend. <laughs> she was like, yo, you can pick. I was like, you gotta see something. She was like, man, you you owe me for for your ticket and mine. <laughs> Shout out to Miss D, man. For, uh, Call you out on that wackness. Hey, she's like, man, you. Woo. But but just the fact that they were a rap group in eighty in eighty seven eighty eight and got to make a movie, right. a major movie, in, in that came like out that. in the theaters, yeah, was, was incredible. So, you know, <laughs> definitely big shout out to them for even being able to to be that big enough to make a movie. Um, oh, hold up, <laughs> let me see. Something in leather. Uh, first of all, Rick Rubin directed it. So, oh yeah, of course, of course he did. Man, no surprise. All right, it made it made three and a half million dollars at the box office. Now let me see how much it actually cost. Uh huh. They said it was uh 1980s black exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the one of the critics uh, called it. I mean, you know. They said it was much like films like like Shaft and Black Samson. Oh. <laughs> Oh, hold on. 
So we know it made at least it made three and a half million, but I need to know how much that joint cost. But but yeah, man, just the fact that you know even early as is, is nineteen eighty eight, uh, MCs were starting to you know branch out. Yeah, branch out, and this would later you know really really start to show through with somebody that that got they got big props in eighty eight. Uh, Will Smith, you know you everybody knows what he will become. MC Lights on TV now. Queen Latifah. You know LL who who did some damage that we'll talk about um in '88. Uh, you know all a lot of these got Rev Run. You know Run's house. He kind of revolutionized uh you know uh, reality TV as it is for families and for Black America. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man. You know that was just the start of it, and then Kid and Play. You know who. You know who might have the, the goat of hip hop movies or hip hop related movies? Yeah, like it's definitely up there. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. So, just really quick, just so people can get a good idea of, of what we did with the list. We don't want to go into them too in depth, but I did want to uh, definitely give a shout out to a few albums, and then you can shout out a few as well. No doubt. Uh, we, we talked about It Takes a Nation, of course. Uh, Strictly Business, uh, groundbreaking, and, you know, essentially launched the the, the, the careers of, of, of guys that put other people on, that put other people on, that, that are still actually still rocking out. You know, when you look at Redman, um, the fact that he's had such a, a, a long career, you know, he's... He's from that that family tree, so it's it's. it's yeah, that, fam- like, that family tree is crazy because yeah, I mean yeah. they got they got Keith Murray, then they got Keith Murray's son playing in the NBA. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Dr>. Terry Rozier. And <laughs> 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 then you got Daz Effects, yeah, Squad, Hit Squad, so yeah. K-, K Solo. So I mean, you know, they just Molly G. They did they, they just expanded. I mean, all the way out to Dave Hollister. Yeah, I so yeah, so um, of course another another shout out. We talked about Great Adventures uh, of Slick Rick. Uh, listening to that, you know, back then was 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 definitely eye opening, groundbreaking, man. <laughs> it, it was just yo, and and one of, and one of uh, one of my favorite quotes: <laughs> "Swoop down on like like Big Daddy on Teenage Love." Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, talking all that uh, jazz, so um, I got in trouble for saying that one time. <laughs> Wait, what? Nah, it was, it was under my breath. You know, I, I said I, I said that like one of my aunts or somebody was, was talking all that jazz. <laughs> Boy, what you say? Uh, <laughs> Prince, Prince Paul was got you uh, KO'd. Yeah. yeah. But no, um, in, in in full gear, like it's kind of kind of underrated, but it's definitely a fun album to listen to. Yo, like, m- mini tip for tat. Yeah. Sally, or or talking all that jazz. Sally. Some people, yeah, me too. Yeah, Sally. Is this, is this that? <laughs> Some people don't like the way Sally. Oh, yeah, yeah, sadly, but it, it's no. Cool, Chris Paul was that dude, man. Yeah, nah, he's he's that dude, definitely. But uh, in full gear, giving I'm giving that a shout. Of course, we talked about um, uh, Long Lily Kane, 
Uh, he's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Uh, Assault with the Deadly Pepper and Too Hype, like you like you mentioned, uh, with, with Kid and Play. I, those are those are ones that stuck out for me. Those were ones that were in rotation for me. Like seriously, like I used to get the bootlegs a lot of times. We used to go to um, Norfolk State games, and they would have uh, the the key not kiosks, but they would have the tables, and the guys would sell the um, the, the bootleg tapes two for five. Garbage down the way. So it was, it was either it was either get a hot dog and a soda, or it was get tape. So every time, and, and the thing was, it, it would be like, yo, here, you know, go 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 ahead, and it'd be like, it took you so long. I was like, oh man, I I ate it before I even came back upstairs. But I would have the tape in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, the dudes at the table, they didn't care who if the kid was buying that stuff. No, they didn't not at all. So yeah, that 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 was that was like my little my little thing. I would I would wait till we got to the seat, and then I was like, oh man, I'm hungry. I'd get the money, and then I would go buy the tape, and then I would come back empty-handed. I'd be like, oh, I just ate, you know, I just ate three hot dogs. Man, shout out to Big C, man, because <coughs> my, my mom got me the, the yellow Sony Sport Walkman for Christmas in eight. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, mom, I need tapes. We gotta have tapes. Gotta have tapes. So. She 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 bought me she bought me a couple tapes, but then I got this is this is where the tissue of the tapes are coming in. I, I found out from my uncle how to record over yeah. tape that was already, and then so we started. I started recording a lot of the stuff that he would have. So that's how I started getting a lot of my music. So what 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 was your you know you mentioned a bunch of albums what was what was your one you had to say like you only could choose the, the what was your top album in 88 you only could so, pick one <laughs> the, the one that i listened to the most and it, it may sound weird uh the one that i listened to the most out of all of those that i named was probably assault with a deadly pepper no i mean see it, 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 it sounds, sounds funny sad. now but then Yo, I mean that was that was work. Yeah, that was that was. But that that was that was something that. And you were also a kid. Yeah, I was a kid, and to be to be real honest with you, like I gravitated towards JJ Fad and, and Light, and um, I know why. <laughs> but you know what I'm Yo. saying? Like, I gravitated towards like I I I I'd like to hear I like to hear women. You know that that was. Put that put was camera so one on me. Put put camera one on me. <laughs> Because I, so I, I gotta look at, I gotta look at it. Yeah. You know, for the for the for the YouTube. Yeah. Salt. Yeah. Yo, eight year old Philip absolutely loved. You know, Sandy. Yo, like I was, I was going to, I was going to fight Herbie, uh, as love bug when I found out that was her dude. That was like, like I, I don't know what I thought I was gonna do. But yo, she was she was just amazing to me, like mm-hmm. yo, and, man. So, shake your thing was in it, and uh, that that video was great with EU, and then they did they had uh everybody get up. I mean yep. that that album, you know. So yeah, that that was that was my soundtrack. I used to listen to that every single. It was the first time that my mom and I actually moved out, so we had our own apartment for the first time. Nice. <laughs> Yo, you couldn't tell me nothing. Like I, I, like I didn't really have like a whole lot of restrictions on like noise now. Like, oh man, like see, she, she kind of let me, you know, like do my thing in my room. I used to listen to that every single morning. Yeah. So this, this is uh, '88. We, I'm trying to think. In '88, had we moved yet? 
Alright, so in 88, yeah, we were living we were living in Logan. Right off right off of uh right off of Broad and Lindley. We living on, on Comestry in the, the, the high rise apartment. We were on the seventh floor in eighty-eight. But I would still go to my grandma's on the weekends and I was still and I stayed at my grandma's house in the summer. So when I stayed at my grandma's house, I shared a room with my uncle. And he had the Radio Raheem boombox. Yeah. So that's where I would be getting my music from. But my mom, when she moved into the apartment, she she you know, she was a she was a, a, a single young lady, you know, and she had a stereo system, you know, the component where you had pieces. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah, you had a had a dual cassette deck, which was like a a, a luxury back then. She had a CD player, you know, so this this was like a, a a big deal in '88 having a having an actual CD player in the crib. So you know, I felt like we was doing it, and like so that was my thing. She didn't she didn't put any restrictions on me in terms of what I listened to. She like she understood the the kid I was that I wasn't gonna you know emulate right. or try to you know. You know, listen straight out of Compton and join the gang. <laughs> you know, you know. Establish that trust, though. Like, yeah, you know, like it, it it plays a part. My mom was a little bit more stricter with that, but as yeah. as I got older, she started to kind of be a little bit more lenient. But you know, because yeah. I can't think about it. Like this is this is something by by the time '88 rolled around, like this still even to them, this was still kind of foreign to them. Yeah, and see, my my mom, she had she had a little more, a little bit more understanding because she had younger brothers and sisters, right? Like, and they were like the they were like the bridge between me and her, right? You know, so when I was eight, I'm trying to, so she was thirty two, so she wasn't, she wasn't, you know, I mean, thirty two now, you know, listening to hip hop is normal. But then you you know you were listening to Smokey Robinson. She was going to Budweiser Superfest and shit like that. Yeah. You know, so hip hop wasn't a wasn't a thing for a thirty two year old at that time. So and you had Al B. Shore and Keith Sweat like that. Yeah, yeah. So she was. So my my my, <laughs> they, they, my was getting, they was getting they was going back. My aunts and uncles and my cousins were the bridge. And you're like, yeah. oh, you know, you know, he fine. We got him. You know. So and it was just what it was. So yeah, man. So. I, I had that I had that freedom. So so salt and pepper was yours. Mm-hmm. Um for me, and this is one hundred percent my uncle Corey, man. Um my number one album, I I'll start right at the top, man. Uh for me in that time frame, it was takes a nation of millions to hold us back, man. Um he was a huge, huge, ridiculously huge public enemy fan from Yo Bum Rush to show the year before. And then with this, like I had a I wore a clock, yo. <laughs> like <laughs> yo, yeah, I had a clock. Um it was a, it wasn't the big, you know, wall clock that Flav wore. It was a little mini a mini joint and then like I like we got to the gym where you could change like the little pieces on the uh mm-hmm. the little stopwatch joints and yeah, but I had a clock. Like Flav wasn't like like now, like people was like, oh he was he was a crackhead or he was a clown or whatever, whatever. He was just he was the entertainment. He was the uh he was the um the humor in a very like Chuck talked about very, very serious things. So he was like the balance. So, so Chuck didn't feel so preachy, you know. You had, you know, somewhat of 
not even comic relief, but just you know, a break in the of what of the seriousness of what Chuck was giving you. Because so I think the ad libs weren't weren't like like mm-hmm. when he used to ad lib and stuff like the ad libs would be good. Like, yeah, like it wouldn't be like 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 silly. You know what I'm saying? And it would it would put a point on you know it would put an explanation point on on something Chuck was uh, trying to get across to you. Yeah. Um, now of course they let him do uh, Cold Lampin with Flavor where he just wild out. <laughs> you know they 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 I guess they, somebody promised him a record and they was like yo, but the beat was insane. So you know it was one of the things that he could have said whatever and it just was going to go. So, but yeah, Takes a Nation of Millions was that album for me. Like, it taught me, it, it helped me to learn how to read better because I was reading a lot of notes. I was starting to understand what it what it meant to be black in America mm-hmm. because of that album. But you know, straight out of Compton, that 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 changed everything. Like, first of all, you starting to get an idea what it of what California is like. And then to me, at this point. California was two things. It was the 49ers and it was it was NWA. It was it was it was you know even though like you know San Francisco and LA are you know eight nine hours away from each other. That's all. That was my whole. That was and then of course you know Hollywood. You know you made movies. You know you was in a gang or you know you you was the the best football team in the history of the earth. And, and, it, and it was a world away. Yeah, and though, though, that's that was my at, at eight nine years old. That was my reality of what I perceived California to be. But it just took you to a whole other world. It gave you their view of how things are, and then just like we talked about this the other day, those two albums to me are this the same coin but opposite sides. Takes a Nation of Millions and Straight Outta Compton, they're essentially saying the same exact thing, but totally different ways. Like, the best way, Takes a Nation of Millions is Black Panther. Straight Outta Compton is uh, Killmonger. Mm-hmm. And, and how they deliver, and they, they, they essentially want the same thing. They want to be treated fairly, Want to be, but Killmonger is going to take it. You know, you know, T'Challa, you know, Black Panther, he's more diplomatic about it. And even though Public Enemy was feared, you know, by mainstream and by white people, white America, they they were at their shows. They were the ones buying the tickets. They were, when Public Enemy would go out on tour, they were going out with the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, so they wanted their fan base, you know, they did a lot of their they recorded a lot of the the interludes on Takes a Nation of Million in England, you know, so they had this worldwide appeal, and it was more inclusive. Like, understand who we are. This is why we are hostile. We got a right to be hostile because of things that happened. Understand? NWA was like, "Fuck that, and fuck y'all," because this is what y'all been doing to us, and y'all want to pretend like it's not happening. So we're gonna talk about it. You know, and they got respect out of fear. So it was, it's crazy when you think about it, like Night of the Living Baseheads and Dope Man, for example. Dope Man is the cause. Night of the Living Baseheads is the, you know, the end result of, you know, what Ice Cube and Easy talked about on Dope Man. So it's, it's like they were kind of saying the same things and just, it was just crazy. But like those two albums 
were the biggest and most influential for me of that time and, and they're probably still two if they're probably two of the most influential albums I've ever heard in my life but just real quick um a couple other joints that I have to mention Long Live the Kane you know I just incredible great adventures of slick rig by uh, all means necessary strictly business um just the the way that they put their music together and you would hear this like i think damn near every song on strictly business has been uh the instrumentals have been remade and something else you know people love ain't no nigga well that was you know it's my thing you know so um Follow the leader, uh, like I said, microphone fiend was like theme music to me. I felt like I was when when he was like cool because I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull the plug, then I jet. I felt like that was me. Um, and then uh, just uh, he's the DJ and I'm the rapper, man. That was uh, that was one of the, like, like I said, it was the first CD I bought, so that was just hugely important. I probably listened to that the third most out of all the all the albums but as far as the impact it was the uh it was of course takes a nation of millions and straight out of content quick tip for tat for you so uh on june 28th 1988 long lived king and uh it takes a nation of millions to hold us back came out on the same day mm-hmm. i give you Ten dollars to get the cassette tape, and you know you got to pick between one or the other one. Which one you pick? All right. Um, you don't have any other way to listen to either one. You you can't listen to your uncle's copy of this one. You can't listen. I, I, to I'm gonna tell you what I'm doing. I, you see who's on my shirt? Yeah, Big Daddy King. But I got I I got I got five public <laughs> enemy shirts in the closet. I got a I got a I got a. Uh, a painting by Chuck D on my wall. Yeah. It's, there's no way I'm not getting It Takes a Nation of Millions. Because at that time in 1988, you know, don't believe the hype. You know, Terminator X, you, yo, uh, Rebel Without a Pause still to this day. Just, you know, I can't help but get hyped when I hear it. So, yeah, I, I probably would have, I probably would have stole the uh, Long Live the Cane, though. Yeah, um, and, 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 <laughs> wait, but no, um, no, but takes a nation of millions. If I had to, if you hold my feet to the fire and I gotta pick one, it's gonna be that. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, you, you give me, give me money to, to get one of those two. Um, definitely getting that. But it, it's brother, no. It's it's just crazy because I, I, I did, we didn't have the technology back then necessarily or the know how, yeah. but. When I think about, like I said, just salt and pepper, like, like everybody get up, like that was the song I woke up to, like, like I used to leave, I used to like listen to it at night and then leave it. <laughs> at that point, you know, on the on the tape, so that in the morning I could play that when I woke up. It's just, it's crazy, it's crazy man. Um, so shout shout to them. Uh, they they got a little bit of love at the, at the Billboard Awards that recently just happened in Las Vegas. At the MGM Grand, uh, they, they they did a mini set, uh, did some of their uh, hits there. Um, so yeah. some lady that used to be pepper, <laughs> salt, salt, salt and garlic salt, <laughs> 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 and uh, and Cinderella, who, who, who is still uh, 
Yeah, still one of the illest. Oh. Uh, de- definitely. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I, yeah, I was a Cinderella fan. I, I thought she nah, was, Cinderella. Was, she would, she would, she would take over later. She would take that top spot for me later. Yeah. But in '88, yeah, my '88 frame of mind. Yeah. You, you know, shake your thing salt with she had she had dyed her hair blonde. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's her thing. It's just shake it crazy. Don't tell. Don't try to tell her how to party. It's her <laughs> dance and just her body. Yeah. Man. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I love those girls. So yeah, um, shout to them. Shout to them from hip Yeah. Man. Good Speaking time. of. Oh man, eighty-eight man. <laughs> I mean, yo, yo, yo. It, it, it might have been the best year, man. Yo, you, as, you, as we sit here and talk about it. Yeah, you already know. Um, cameraman pan to my left. You, you already know what it was. Uh, yeah. If you if you follow me on Instagram at filmmedic three sixty five, you've probably seen the picture of me and my mom. Uh, summer '88, uh, matching as only you could in 1988, match with your mom. Uh, but we had the Jordan threes, the uh, white cement joints. Uh, it was just, it was just a, it was, it's an iconic sneaker. It's the first Nike to not have the Nike logo on it. It, it was the first sneaker produced by Nike. To not have the Nike logo on it, like the, like the giant swoosh on the side, it had the Nike Air on the back, um, but it didn't have that. In Jordan, that was the first one with the actual, you know, iconic Jordan logo on there. So it was the it was the first one that Tinker Hatfield did. So it was extremely important to the the legacy of you know Jordan. Um, you you know my love for sneakers. You know, it was it had already started kind of before that, but that's like really, really that's it was like a rap. I was like, I'm gonna do this forever. Like I'm I'm always I'm always wear sneakers, you know, like and also Jordan was the best athlete in the world in nineteen eighty eight. Like that's when he he was the MVP of the league, scoring champion, he led the league in steals. Uh, he, he's the player of the year. I think he was the All Star Game MVP. Um, yeah, he averaged thirty five a game. Like, so I mean, come on, <laughs> what rivalry? <laughs> like, I, like I, I wasn't a fan, but it's like, yeah, it, yeah, you were. You, you you didn't like him, but you 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 respected him. I mean, I, I love uh, back then though. They weren't really doing a whole lot of winning, so it, no, they weren't. They weren't it winning. The same level of like. Disdain for him, but I, he, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. No, they were still getting bodied by the Pistons at this yeah. point, yeah. but it was clearly, it was clear that like this kid, you know, two years in is I'm four years in at this point. Yeah. He was he was the best player in the world at that time. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that that just coincided, like you said, just with the whole era of of '88 being Kitten uh, play on their album cover, Jordan Threes. Yeah. Uh. EPMD, uh, they had Jordan threes on there. Um, there was there was a couple other people that had uh, Jordan threes on in in uh, KRS had Jordan had Jordan threes on in uh, on on his on one of his photo shoots from '88. Um, so 
it was it was the the, the shoe of choice for hip hop if you want to run DMC. Right, no doubt. Um, as we head towards uh, the the last the last portion of the show, of course, uh, we wanted to definitely talk about the, the seeds that were planted in '88 that eventually uh, bloomed uh, in the early '90s and you know and beyond. Um, obviously, we talked about. Um, the widespread introduction of gangster rap with NWA, with with Ice Cube. Uh, you mentioned King. Ice T. Yeah. King T. Um, the Grammys boycott was something that was huge. Absolutely, man. Um, 1989 was the first Grammys that featured a, uh, an award for hip hop, a solo award. You know, best hip hop uh, record. Um. Nominees were Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince for Parents Just Don't Understand, Salt and Pepper for Push It, uh, JJ Fab for Supersonic, Kumo D for The Wild Wild West, and I want to say LL, and I don't remember which LL song was nominated. I probably I'm bad if I'm guessing. Because yeah. they took they some songs that came out in late 87 and then songs that came out in 88. Um, but it was announced in 1988 that even for the upcoming Grammys that would that would come out in February 89 that the, the rap award presentation wouldn't be on the actual TV show uh, of the Grammys it would be it would be presented um before the actual televised portion so r- rap felt you know going back to Cali yeah going back to Cali okay yeah and then that did, which came out in 88 it was on the less than zero soundtrack um uh, so, rappers um, actually unified and said, yo, we're, we're not going to this. We're not, they took a political stand and said, yo, you're giving, you're giving us an award, but you're not even, you don't feel we're worthy to even put it on TV. We, we don't think we should show up. So they decided to just completely, so all the nominees boycotted the uh, Grammys and they had a boycott party. And that took place in um, the announcement took place in '88. They had the boycott party. Uh, eventually, uh, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince would actually go on to win that Grammy. They would win a couple more later on. Um, those would be televised. And but that that was huge because they they took a stand. Had they not done that, the the hip hop award might not have ever been televised. Right. Because they would have just, they just would have felt like, yeah, we're cool with, you know, this little, this this award that you're giving us, even though it's a slight that you're not putting us on TV. So that was huge. They had to make time for Word Out Yankovic, in fact. (laughs) They had time time for hip hop. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) the the best of bluegrass, you know, you know, there's, yo, I, this is a whole nother topic that we that we need to get to in another show, but I think there need to be multiple awards for hip hop. Hip hop is the, the most it's the most expansive, it's the most popular genre of music in the world right now today. The, you know, you can't tell me that Kendrick Lamar and you know Little Uzi should be in the same category. Yes, they're they're both hip hop, 
but in the same way that they have like multiple awards for R&B and multiple awards for rock and roll, there's soft rock, there's contemporary rock, there's hard, there's uh, heavy metal, which is just another form of rock and roll, but they have their own separate Grammy. You can't tell me that hip hop doesn't deserve multiple categories. Like it's just it's just one of them things, but you know, that's something that we can we can delve into on another. Definitely. So the, the boycott happened. Uh uh Terrence Trent Darby did not participate because he felt like that was his night. <laughs> he definitely definitely racked up. And he just got paid, yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he he said Grammys was on a Friday night, I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> He, he he said, you know what? Uh, you know, you, you, I appreciate you guys, but I, you know, this may be my last night. In- <laughs> and I believe it was because uh, I don't think he's been paid since. <laughs> it it ain't been Friday for Trent Terrence and Dark a long time. He may still get some some checks though. No, I'm 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 giving him the business. That's not even his song, yo. Yeah, it's Johnny Kemp. Johnny Kemp it just got paid. Who? Ch- who the fuck is Terrence Trent Darby? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He, he he's like he's somebody that you might be you might confuse with uh, Millie Vanilli. But Yo, no. he looked like him, but I thought it, I I could have swore I knew Johnny Kim's son just got paid too. Yeah, yeah, I know you knew that. Um, but, oh man, yeah, he Terrence Trent Darby. I know the name. Yeah, he he. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if you um, wishing well. You know that song. <laughs> Uh, it's a, it sounds familiar. I'll play it for you later. But yeah, no, you must hear no, you. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> nah, this come is on, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, he, he's something like witching well, kissing toe. Yeah, yeah, something like. He's like he's like a uh, he's in the same uh, vein as like PM Dawn slash like uh, uh uh what's her name Tracy Chapman slash. You know, like oh, if, if they had like a, a weird he was Joffy in the fast car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dad jokes. There you go. There you go. Um, um no, but, yeah. man. <laughs> but, but that, that shows you what eighty eight was about, man. Yeah, my, man. My, my, my man. KRS would have tossed him off a of stage too. Ah, allegedly. Well, no, no, it happened. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's been confirmed by we, multiple we, sources. It we, definitely we, happened. Yo. We didn't. We just didn't have Instagram back then. So oh we, God, I was. Oh man. <laughs> yo, could you imagine the memes? No. Sonic rings and. No. All right, man. I shouldn't be. So, is is that the one that died? Yeah, it is. Oh man, damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so as we move on, well, uh, yo, MTV raps. Yes. Uh, in '88. Uh, let's let's test your hip hop nerd uh, nerdness. What was the first yeah. video they played? Oh man, uh, that that would be a total guess by me. I have no clue. Um, uh, if I had to guess, I would say. Um, think about this '88. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking about it being '88. Uh, children's story. Good guess. But no. Okay. Eric B and Rakim follow leader. Follow leader. Okay. It was the world premiere. Um, the 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 actual first episode was uh they were on the um they were on the uh the Def Jam tour. They had the um or it was either Def Jam or it was the Run DMC tour because they were with Will Smith, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and Run DMC. They were there, mm. and um and Fab Five was live on on tour with them talking to him. But the actual first video. 
that they showed was uh follow the leader and it was a big deal it was the world premiere of the video and it was like they did it like mob style like they like they like eric b and rakim took on the, the mob mm-hmm. in, in the video which was just you know great cinematic imagery and you know it fit who they were at the time like yo we not taking this shit from nobody yeah, nobody's smiling yes they're serious <laughs> <laughs> So it yeah, so that that was actually the first video, but MTV Yo MTV Raps is became an iconic. You know, it became a uh, a Saturday night tradition, and ultimately a daily tradition when Ed and Dre got their um got their uh episodes popping off, and Freddie still maintained Saturdays. It, it was just it was like his, you know a few years before that michael jackson had to threaten to sue him to even get his video he was the biggest star in the world mm-hmm. to even get his videos on you know and then eventually run dmc would get on with walk this way but to have a show um strictly dedicated to hip-hop was a big thing so man shout out to everybody that was involved in getting that uh ted demi was instrumental in getting that uh on air you know rest in peace to ted demi um yeah and then it, and it would later you know it would be you know uh, about a year later then rap city would uh come on so they they mtv actually got a hip-hop show popping off before black entertainment television did which says a lot um par for the course yeah it uh, about that uh, about you know how slow even uh which bt was still black owned at the time how slow they were to embrace hip-hop but also mtv executives recognizing you know there is there's an audience and there's some you know there's some money to be made in this you know genre you know they they got advertising dollars you know and you know they got viewership i mean to the point where they expanded it and that opened the floodgates for a lot of the budgets the big budgets yeah music videos because it was another platform for people to promote their singles yeah because for our younger listeners believe it or not mtv actually showed music videos um it's called mtv classic now but the way mtv classic looks now is exactly how actual MTV looked, you know, in 1988. Yeah. So, uh, as as we start to wrap up this, this uh, we we had to episode 188 of Two Stream the Tape podcast had to talk about 1988. Uh, big shout to DJ Rick G. Shout to G. Shout to Ring. Yes, yes. Uh, shout to you know our our whole. Uh, family tree as well everybody that we rock with uh it's good to just be able to have these types of conversations uh we're gonna of course make sure that we have our list available so people can see uh what we're talking about uh i put i put the question out there like to uh to our followers on instagram who who they thought uh, like what album they thought was the best from the era um most people say yo it's it was it's an impossible you it, one you can't really go wrong it was a such a difficult decision um 
one of the ones that came up there were two that came up the most though uh great adventures of slick rick came people, up. Who, who people were saying is probably one of the if not the most underrated uh yeah. lp of all time yeah it's, it's extremely underrated um in its um brilliance mm-hmm. um i still got mop warriors as the most underrated but that's a whole nother show when we when we talk about the uh underratedness of music but yeah um great adventures of slick rick uh came up and takes a nation of millions were were the two that seemed to get a um kid play got a lot of love though yeah kid play did kid play they, definitely they, they hold a special uh place in people's hearts though yeah, man. remember that that time and you know just you know what it was like to be able to to just be uh you know carefree in that respect yeah man it's great and his greatest house party uh was i think i mean I, I i know they wouldn't change it but i think it actually hurt them as yeah. music artists for sure um but yeah that 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 their first album was Yo, uh, hola, hola. Yo, I love that video, man. That yeah. the food fight. Yeah. You know I mean, like that was just. Yo, I remember. Yo, yeah, yeah, that was just so dope. But um, yeah. one of the things, Bob, before we get out of here, uh, I gotta know what were some of the we talked about the albums, but what were some of the songs? Because mm-hmm. there were a yeah. lot of there were a lot of classic singles. Yeah. Eighty eight that are still. We'll still get the dance floor. Yo, and it's funny too because of the way that that again music was disseminated. People, the labels used to let the the singles breathe for a while, so you would have the yeah. single for for a while before you you get maybe sometimes two singles before the album come out. Sometimes yeah. three. Yeah, and sometimes um, the single was the only breath they had. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But um, some some of the joints that stuck out for me uh, that that of course, like I said, uh, really really had me going. Of course, um, parents just don't understand. Uh, like I said before, they had me perform, had me performing that joint <laughs> um, in the in the living room. Um, push it, you know. It's it's kind of been oversaturated now. Uh, you know, the, the the mainstream public has gotten to it. And kind of bastardized it a little bit and changed the meaning of, of what it, you know, it was to us back then. But I just remember just this feeling so good whenever that record came on. And then uh, uh, I know what I know what you was feeling. The, the, the um, video, the video was, was something where, yeah, yeah that that definitely spandex bodysuits, <laughs> and in yeah. uh, custom leather jackets, and yeah. gy- gyrating and thrusting. It, it definitely it, mm. it went down. Um, what the fuck was Herbie doing in the background? Yo? <laughs> I, have <laughs> no yeah. I have no clue, man. I know. Wait a minute. <laughs> Only the sexy. Another another song that they took from us, man. It takes two. Ooh. Yeah, but yo, but for, I, for, for, for some of the uh, for the younger uh, listeners again, uh, it takes two is the song. That you that you actually hear now um, as the opening the lip sync battle, um, yeah. In in the, the current season of lip sync battle hosted by LL and uh, Chrissy Teigen, but uh, uh, it's been in dozens of commercials. Uh, yeah. Rob Bay said he he still tours off of that oh, yeah. 
that's that awesome. single song yeah. yeah definitely um rest in peace uh to dj easy rock yep um who had one of the most iconic uh yes you know his, him getting busy at the end of man uh, it takes two he, he, got, he got loose man yeah man <laughs> um ain't no half stepping which i'm sure mm-hmm. will probably overlap mm-hmm. as far as having that um the symphony will probably have you know both have that um talking all that jazz which i mentioned before uh vapors children's story microphone theme um just just some some of the few that if you know i had to narrow it down to uh the eight that that were in heavy rotation for me and ones that i would um say help shape that year for me i i, I would be remiss not to mention those what about you man all right, so of course I did. ain't no half stepping. You you know, brain cells are lit. Um, microphone fiend that I've I've spoke that uh, several times during this podcast. Uh, I felt like that was theme music. That that's the. I think that might be the first song I can remember. It's like yo, this is this is like a theme song for me. Yeah. My philosophy, like I love that song. But I even thought the video was even more brilliant, how they would drop the music out and let KRS kind of just speak mm-hmm. to the audience, almost like the lecturer he would eventually become, you know, and he was just dropping gems, you know, he was the first person I ever heard talk about uh, being a vegetarian and trying to make it cool. I'm, I'm still eating chicken to this day. Sorry, Chris. Uh, chicken's delicious. Um, but I, I understand the sentiment. Um, I understand why you said it and the importance of it. And you uh, you shaped a lot of people in a movement. You'll never get the credit for it, but you you were the first person, I think, period, that I ever heard say, yo, you know, I'm a vegetarian. Being a vegetarian is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's better for you. You know, it's, and it, you know, on some levels it's morally better for you, you know, as well as health. So, but you know, and in, 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 in the midst of crushing them seeds, you know, and telling them they wick wick whack, you know what I mean? Uh, Rebel without a pause. I spoke on that. Yo, just the energy and the the power and ferocity of which Chuck spoke. Uh, and the the the, the knock on there, you know, uh, Bomb Squad. Uh, very in, under. We talk about underrated uh, as a production unit. Bomb Squad. Uh, don't don't often get props they deserve, but you know, just look what they did for Cube and you know, uh, one of Rockem's biggest hits is because of them, along with a bunch of other things they did. So, um, it takes two, of course. You know, I actually bought that 12 inch. Um, of it takes two, uh, children's story. Um, the the actual only song on Great Adventures that was actually somewhat kind of a little <laughs> bit uh even uh, uh maybe hey young world but um but yeah. children's story was just and then the way they the way they flipped it you know uh, telling kids a bedtime story um i actually uh being the the born and raised hip-hop nerd i am i've actually wrapped that as a bedtime story to uh to my daughter um so of course children's story the symphony um told you about how much and how dope i thought that was and then the last one um 
this was the hardest one because there was so many other songs. Uh, Biz is going off was one that always played mm-hmm. a lot, but <laughs> gangster, gangster vibe. Mm-hmm. There was something about uh, the opening lines to to gangster, gangster that just here's a little something to a nigga like me never should have been let out the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube would like to say that I'm a crazy motherfucker from around the way, like him. Just, just like yo this dude and then the left right left right and then the hook everything about gangsta gangsta was, was this like amazing to me this was like the first time people probably saw scarface like that's what listening to uh straight out of compton was for me and gangsta gangsta was pick whatever you feel is the best scene in scarface that's what gangsta gangsta was for me um so that was just a standout um yeah man and i i listened to it and and just knew all the words at nine it's insane (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that was my eight man man shout to everybody that made a contribution uh a, a lot of times the 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 mixing engineers the producers yeah, all the Bob uh, Powers of the world. Man. Yeah, definitely. They they don't get a lot of the credit, but um, you know the people behind the scenes that made all these uh, incredible records and um, you know shows and uh, concerts happen. You know they they were a part of establishing a, a legacy that is still uh, holding true. And now you look thirty years later and you see how dominant the uh, the genre, the culture, and the overall um, mentality is um, on on this planet, and a lot of this uh, started from 1988, and you know we're we're reaping the benefits of it now. Some you know some mm-hmm. some you know some of it is um, not necessarily to our um, sensibilities that we had growing up, but I still say that you know we're in a place where we're we're still progressing. We, we haven't seen the last of innovative hip hop and, um, you know, like years like 1988, 1993, 1996. Um, yeah. You know, those, these, are, these are years that will forever always be looked back on and revered. Absolutely, man. And um, on that note, as right before we get out, I just want to say, man, there, there was way too much we could we could do another two hours talking about all the other great hip-hop if if you take away everything we mentioned there's still the my posse's on broadway came out in 1988 ice t's power um which yo darlene yo (laughs) oh my god like as much as i love salt Yo, Darlene on the front of the album cover holding a shotgun is one <laughs> of the greatest. Yo, for anybody who's never seen the Ice T Power cover, Google it. Make sure you make sure you also Google the uh, the rear cover as well. Um, uh, <laughs> that sounded funny. <laughs> yeah. Google the rear. Google the rear. Yeah, I mean. Um, Run DMC. We didn't even really Run's house. Yeah, one of the uh, which will become you know iconic for a multitude of reasons. 
uh one the reality show runs house where they you where they use the that as the theme song mm-hmm. but um you know down with the king you know you know five years later they would sample themselves they yeah. would sample you know runs house for down with the king and anytime you want to quiet a room you all you got to do is just go in and be like yo there's a lot of mcs that touch this stage <laughs> i want y'all to know one thing <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh man what are you, what are you about to say yo. this is yeah, my house. <laughs> yo, yo, that's another dude that that you know he didn't he didn't uh, swear he nice. Yeah, he knew he was nice, yo. But sure. but yeah, so I mean, we we mentioned uh, Stess and Sonic and um, Sally and all that jazz, but you know King T had gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dougie Fresh. Uh, Oh my God! Um, yeah, shout shout to uh, Ghetto Boys who really started to, to yeah. Make- Ghetto Boys was doing doing it independent. Uh, Ultra Mag man, like Critical Beatdown is one of those albums that was that was so dope and it it never gets talked about. So I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that Easy Does It, mm-hmm. you know, the Boys in the Hood always hard by yeah, Pulse. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, and and for those that uh, for those that have title, um, you can uh, you can check out what we were able to put together, um, a few years ago on our uh our other uh our other outlet, Hip Hop Three Sixty Five. We did a uh we did a playlist battle before that was a thing, but we kind of we kind of started this gangster shit uh. Mm-hmm. Before there were streaming services, we actually created playlists, and we we had a little battle to see whose playlist was better. You want to tell them who won that, Chief? Uh, yeah, I, I think you won like maybe you know you, you got like sixty percent of the vote to my forty or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. But no, but but vibe. You couldn't you know, go wrong with either. No, no, no. Either, both lists were incredible. Um, we had some overlapping songs, and we had a couple joints. Uh, Lati killed you. I'm just saying. Um, it's fine. But no, I had, no. I, had, I had to do it though. Yeah, no, I mean you you go with what you like. Um, but I combined the list um that, that we created and then I added a couple other joints that because we had certain parameters for our list at the time, but that we don't have now. And basically did 88 songs for 1988, and you can download that on title. It's called Fresh for 88, which is the same name of this episode. Yeah. Um hit us up for the link. Actually, the link. Uh, is in the bios on uh, on Instagram on my page at Philmatic365 as well as at Tissue in the Tape. Yeah, I will um, add it on mine as well at Davis Backwards. Oh uh, yeah, so you can you can um, download. So if you have title um, or you know go sign up if you never had it before, get it free for three months and check out Fresh for eighty eight. Um, you get in, and then by the time you listen to that, you'll you'll understand what we mean about the importance of this uh, year. Oh, what more can I say, Vod? Um, uh, Vod is chilling, and Phil is chilling. <laughs> uh, that's what I was. That's what I was gonna call the episode, but I was just like, yeah. uh, but fresh for '88 just felt right. But um, <laughs> no, uh, top villain, one of the most another song supremely iconic it's been sampled right people talk about the the lunch table and grinding like how lunch tables are never the Mm. same but just know before grinding was out like top had the lunch tables on on. that go brother 
Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah, and, and just. Yeah, yeah. It's just. Yeah. Stop scheming and looking hard. <laughs> I got a great big bodyguard. Like, yeah. one of the, just heavily sampled. Um, Another one of my favorite lines coming out of 88 from Dougie Fresh. Uh, Try to diss me and I'll give you a token. Yeah. You know, that that's that's maximum uh sunnage. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yo, uh, once again, this is episode 188 of the Tissue and the Tape podcast. Uh, Davis Backwards. Even when I'm by myself, um, Heat Holders. Even when I'm by myself. um, uh, Hip Hop 365. Yeah, I, I'm Hip Hop 365, even when I'm by myself, of War Room Sports Podcast Network, even when I'm by myself. And yo, I'm I'm Phil Maddox, uh, Code D, partner in crime, man, heat holder number two, uh, the, the chocolate heat holder, uh, <laughs> even when I'm by myself, man. So salute to you and salute to all our listeners. Phil Maddox, take us out with the fader. Okay, gang. Man, y'all so much, man. I can't forget. You know where I'm from, Vod. 215 till I D-I-E. Tough crew. <laughs> My part of town. Northside. You know I couldn't leave this episode without Reverend. And, and even more so, just as great as my part of town was, it was something being from North Philly. And when Northside came on, you know, you had to tuck yours in, yo. You know, you know. No Philly and take your top tens if they was patent leather on that on that note. And um shout out to Camden, man, the crown rulers. Super underrated, but well also produced by Ice Dog from Tough Crew, who in a in a uh 1988 uh bringing it back home, figure eight, Ice Dog, who is the producer in one of the MCs, uh you know, or excuse me, LA Kid, I apologize, one of the producers from the Tough Crew, he, he ended up marrying one of uh, Vod Latrim. Ah, okay. Uh, Bunny from Latrim. We like the guys with the cars that go boom. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I can't, I can't explain to you how <laughs> this was our introduction uh, even before, for me personally, even before Luke, mm-hmm. this is my introduction to Miami base. Oh yeah, uh, because because they were amazing. As much as I love Salt Bunny and Lady T, uh, were amazing. Google them. Lady T still amazing. Um, right now in 2018. Um, shout out to her, and um, so yeah, man. Uh, but uh, Two Live Crew also made uh, waves in uh, Move Something came out in 1988, so it was just so much, it was variety. Uh, Hammer, you know, let's get this started, yeah. Um, don't front on the hammer, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just variety, and that's one of the things that we often talk about on, on our platforms. You know, it's it's not about you know what, what's better. Was you know we feel like there's a certain style of hip hop that we appreciate more than what's currently the popular. That's a, it's just about having the choice and having variety, which I feel is lacking a lot 
in music outlets. And that was the biggest thing in the era at this time. All the music that we, you know, like NWA and, you know, Slick Rick and Salt and Pepper and Schoolie D and Too Short and the Ghetto Boys. And then you go all the way to Ultra Mag, uh, Jungle Brothers. There was so many. And these all these songs from Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince went on tour with Run DMC. You know, they didn't have similar styles. You know, they were they were totally different, you know, from Rakim, who was also on the tour. But they meshed and they made it work. And it was it was celebrated. You know, they all were, were respected for different things. You know, you had your favorites, but you had options, you know, and that's something I feel is very much lacking on the mainstream level. You know, you you have the ability to stream music, so you have all the options available to you. And But as far as what's being promoted and presented to the masses as what hip-hop is in 2018, it's something that they could take a cue from 1988. And, um, you know, on that note, like the man said himself, man, you know how we do uh, fresh for 2018. You suckers! How you like me now? We getting busier. <laughs> Respect heat holders. We watching you get dizzier. Yo, Jack the Ripper came out '88 vibe. Yeah. King Hercules, and we out. <laughs> <laughs> Another podcast. Yo, LL was wilding on that joint. <laughs> <laughs> Mo D anyone, no smoke. Nah, he didn't. Crush Ice T's curl too. <laughs> <laughs> yo, he did, yo. I was lit I They do hip hop better than you. Oh, this is Tissy in the tape. Like that, Daddy. Like that, baby. I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. I don't know what y'all gonna do with this, but it got to be funky. It got to be funky if you're gonna be on it. I don't care who start, I don't care what y'all do, but you got to be finished before the music is through. Listen closely, so your attention's undivided. Many in the past have tried to do what I did. Just the way I came off then, I'm gonna come off stronger and longer, even with the drum off. I keep on going and flowing just like a river. I got a whole lot to give, so I'm a giver. Little at a time, new trails are blazing. Action is in effect and always stays in. Yeah, just like a shot from a cannon. I am the man in charge and I'm the planet. A jam strong enough that it can lift your soul. I'm the originator and my rhymes are made of gold. Once you hear the capital A, rap it'll stay with you for a while. It won't go away unless you force it. It stays with you, my friend And if you force it away, I'ma hit you again I project my voice so it's right in the crowd There's a sign at the door, no biting allowed And if you didn't read it, I suggest you do so Or you'll be stranded, just like Caruso Sleep if you wanna, go ahead, get some shut out A man broke his jaw trying to say what I Say on the microphone, he should've left it alone Just for the record, let it be known That my ego's only partially grown Condone fighting in any form Yo, I'm only warm That verse was the calm Now here's the storm Next up, yo I believe that's me Craig G, light up the mic 
for the symphony The gym is dedicated to all unoptimistics That thought I wasn't coming out with some exquisite rhymes But that's alright cause now I'm back To kill all the rumors and straighten the facts of me Not rocking rhymes like I always used to But you jumped on the tip when you heard me in the juice crew You said, mm-mm-mm, ain't that something The Craig, I heard you in that jam and it's pumping I apologize, oh yeah, and uh, Can I have your autograph for me and my grandma? That's how I'm living
story. 